Hey guys, welcome to the Laying Foundations Podcast. This is your co-host, Davis Hambrick. Joining alongside me today is Walker Lott. What's up, Walker? What's going on, Davis? Have you had a good week, man? Oh yeah, I've been busy. Um, we talked about this earlier, but be careful what you wish for. I've been asking for <laughs> more fair. responsibility and, you know, the good Lord dropped it on me this week. But what about you, man? Man, I have. It has been the busiest week of the semester. We got finals next week and all the professors, as as you know, decide to throw everything at you on the last week, you know, when everyone else throws everything at you. So just finally getting my head above water a little bit and getting to finish the week off strong. But man, other than that, just thankful that I'm alive and, and got to have this podcast today. And that was a ton of fun because we actually, speaking of school, got to have one of our, one of our professors on it. And uh, that was really special. And he's been very supportive of, of us. And uh, it, it was awesome getting a chance to, to speak with him. What do you think of it? Yeah, I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, Hunter talked about some of his opportunities overseas, you know, doing contract work and then coming back to the U.S. And he has a lot of perspective on on just life. You know, one of the points he talked about was at a young age, he was leading people in senior to him, which mm-hmm. you know, that's a hard position. But then also he's bought into the team. But then the other third thing that I really loved is he – looks at each person as a as an individual and i think a lot of people get so busy in construction to where they're just a number we don't care but he cares about each person and that's what i'm about because i my you know my mission statement is i want to live a life of compassion in order so i can listen well and i really just I, i resonate with you know hunter who he is and what he tries to embody no, I, I completely agree. I think everyone listening is really going to love it. And he has, you know, an incredible take. And one of the main points that I love very much, and, you know, we, we touched on it before, but he really dove deep, dove in depth into it. It's just that you, you never know what someone's going through. You know, it, you don't know their life story. You don't know what they've been through. Just give them a little bit of grace. You know, at the end, he uses grit and grace, but just give them a little right. bit of grace and, and find their story. Ask them questions. Like you'll learn later is what he says. Just keep, you can have a whole conversation with just asking questions, you know, exactly. ask them questions, learn from them. But man, you know, without further ado, Hunter McGonagall. Hunter, man, welcome to the show. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, I think this is going to be an awesome one. For those of you who don't know, this is actually one of my professors at Auburn uh, University, as well as one of Davis's old professors. So calling him Hunter is a little strange, but we're going to go with it. Uh, so Hunter, man, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on it. You have been a huge support to us thus far in our journey and very open, very uh, welcoming, very honest, very helpful in everything that you've been doing and, and want to do for us. And so we're really excited to have you on the show. Just to start out, uh, like Per usual, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who you are, where you're from, how did you get into construction, how did you get uh, to Auburn to become a professor? Professor, we just want to learn a little bit more about you. All right. Well, let me start with saying thank you for you guys having me on. This has been uh, really enjoyed watching y'all's journey and getting to this point. We're extremely glad to be a part of it. Proud of what you guys are doing, and love the fact that I'm still learning from you. I can sit there on the couch or in the truck, turn on a podcast, and learn something from you know, construction professionals all over. And that's, that's really what it's about. And there, there's so much knowledge uh, out there, so much need out there. And if we can start sharing that knowledge and it's, um, it's beautiful for everybody. So appreciate you guys doing this. And, and that's, um, man, you, you rambled off, like, I don't know, seven or eight questions there. I don't know, really know where to start with that. Um, I could probably go for the full 30, 40 minutes, however long we're going to talk just off that list of questions. But the the short answer to how I got in construction is the the rule was that you were allowed to go to work when you could open the door and get in the truck yourself. And about so I guess I'm three and a half, four years old. My dad awesome. uh, grew up in construction. That's that's all I've ever known. And about about that time I could, you know, I could get in the truck. So I went and uh, we were doing mostly site contracts. Uh, so we were doing heavy civil type stuff and really anything we could do to make a dollar. My dad's just one of those people. He's not necessarily um, the, the studied building science graduate, but he is a builder. You know, he's just one of those guys that like, you know, here's my vision, go make it happen. And somehow, some way you come back a few days, weeks, months later, and he's been able to put that together. So it was, uh, it was awesome to kind of grow up with that. And 
man, it's, yeah, it's, it's led me through lots of different places. And now here, it's, and honestly, it's weird. It's still weird hearing you guys call me professor. I've only been here like a year and a half, right? I bounce, <laughs> bounce all over the world doing other stuff. And to think that they're letting me stand there and, and teach students, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I think it's the, the gray hair and the wisdom you have, right? <laughs> well, there's a lot of gray hair. There's not as much gray hair as there used to be, and it's not because it's changing colors back, but undoubtedly stress and airplane mileage can <laughs> age you. Uh, believe you that, <clears throat> you know, sometimes I like to blame my kids, but really, man, I've got two great boys and it's mm. not, uh, it's not them. I kind of chose a little bit of a stressful, stressful mm. prof- profession, but yeah, it's, right. uh, it's getting better, getting better That's every right. day. That's awesome. And uh, Hunter, if you could, you know, I think it was awesome you, you sharing that story about you and your dad and really being able to get get in the truck and whenever you're able to open the door and you think about that in today's world, holy cow, how that's different. But, you know, just getting to walk out on job sites with them and getting to see your dad have that vision, I think that's part of you. Tell me a little bit more about that. Tell me about how did you think going to these different job sites and seeing him have this vision – you know, what, what it specifically made you want to get into it? I know you could, you could have gone and just been like, no, I don't want to do it. But what, what's something that struck that nerve? Like, you know what, this is the industry for me. Well, you know, part of it's just the, the, the creation aspect, you get to help build something, you know, you get to help, you know, you go out there and, and I say help, you know, I can drive by or point out or show you pictures on the internet of quote unquote stuff I built. We love to say that in construction. I built that. But in reality, you know, we, we don't build anything in a vacuum. Talk to the students about that all the time, right? Like this is the ultimate team game is construction. You think about how many people it takes to, Mm -hmm. you know, how many thousands of people does it take to build a stadium? Some of the projects I've been on recently, we, we had, uh, we had a list of security names. Like you you had to, um, go through the list and, uh, for you to be on that site, you had to be cleared. And we had over 5,000 names, you know, on that list. It's just, it's humbling. You know, you're just a small piece of the puzzle. And I, I think that also helps you kind of, take a step back and be grateful for all the other people around you helping make stuff happen. Um, so the, the idea of being able to build the idea of being able to be a, be a part of something bigger, you know, and I think that's innate in all of us. I think that's how we're designed. You know, we're all part of a bigger picture and, um, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when you're like, you know what, I'm okay with my little, my little space, my little purpose and to be part of something larger. And I think the construction world, um, is a, is a picture of that. That's right. Yeah. You know, I love the, the, the thought of just building things because I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I've always loved Legos. You know, I, I had a huge Lego room filled with all you could want when I was younger and I'd spend hours upon hours doing that. And honestly, I think a lot of the, the want uh, that we all find to, to build something, to develop something, to have an entrepreneurial type spirit, honestly, in, in my opinion, goes to back to Jesus honest because he was a carpenter, right? He made things with his hands. God created the earth. He, it's always creation, created, building, growing, right? And that's kind of the whole process throughout time. And which is why I'm a huge believer. That is what we're called to do. And that's also why we love doing that type of stuff. Some people love it more than others, but you know, I'm I'm right there with you. It's just building something with my hands, making something is just incredible, but let's go to, so you, started a majority of your career not besides working with your dad but you you worked for the city of Ole Miss for a while correct or for the city of yeah yeah, city of Oxford which is where Ole Miss is so so my progression yeah uh, so kind of a sidebar uh, in the construction world, you know, we always have, um, sometimes we're guilty of having nice fat summers where July and August go great. And you can go that weekend and, you know, you can go pick out a hand cut steak somewhere. And then there were those winters where you kind of eat a lot of spaghetti. And when you're a kid, you thought meatless Mondays were, you know, something special, but really it was just a tough January. Right. So I thought I'll fix that. I'll go to engineering school. So went to engineering school, did that. And really kind of never got out of construction because then even when I was doing the design work, we did a lot of uh, 
uh, site design, I was still end up inspecting and uh, kind of doing some of the construction management. You know, well, I always think about inspectors and third party stuff, but in a lot of small towns, especially in the Southeast, the, the engineers and the architects are the ones who are still kind of managing the site. You'll have the engineer record or architecture record actually still out there with it. So that, that was me up until a, a fiscal cliff in 2008. It was a pretty bad time to be in real estate development and went over to uh, the city of Oxford. It was a good state job. And I always joke that it wasn't enough bureaucracy. So I ended up going federal. But those couple of years in, in Oxford were, were great. Uh, really, it was kind of put out. There was, it was interesting from the, the standpoint that I had their credentials. Um, I was local to the area, knew a lot of the people. It was kind of my backyard. But at the same time, I was asked to go in and supervise a lot of people that were my seniors, you know, and it was, it was humbling to do that. And at the same time, there's, there's lessons learned in, uh, in taking on that kind of responsibility. And all of a sudden, you know, whether it's, you know, 50 or 70, whatever the number might be, really what you've got is you've got different teams, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's a process that goes across all different organizations where you, you've got your team, you find your leaders on that team and you, you work through them. You've got to eventually break it down to a manageable size. But uh, yeah, there's uh, some politics involved in that, keeping some taxpayers happy in that, trying to, to take care of your team in that. And, you know, you're doing it in a diversified state um, and environment um, where, you know, you want to keep everybody pleased and happy and, and follow all the rules. And, um, you know, every once in a while you get that image of, you know, 10 guys leaning up on shovels and one guy working. And sometimes that's true. But at the same time, you meet a lot of good, hardworking people. And uh, that's just a, another continuation of uh, appreciation for somebody actually out there doing their trade. That's right. Sure. And Hunter, you, you got me uh, fired up right there. You know, I think a lot about construction leadership and you talked about an opportunity that supervisors, seniors. And you also mentioned a little bit earlier um, about how construction is a team game. And uh, I can't think of a, a bigger industry. I can't think of a more of a sky's the limit type of job. And to think that a lot of the times why projects don't come together, it's not because we don't know how to build it. It's our pride. It's because yeah. our guys in the field or office, whoever, can't get over our ego. And, you know, I'm really – I want to talk about that opportunity you had to supervise your seniors. You said you have some times that you had to learn from your mistakes, but tell me a little bit about that because I know as a young guy, thinking that I'm about to go supervise people older than me, how difficult that can be. Maybe talk about some of the barriers and stuff and the lessons learned you had in that. Yeah, so I, I'm – probably the biggest piece of advice I could give with that is nobody, nobody likes to be called out in front of their peers, right? We're all going to make mistakes and to, to be for you to, to show up, you know, trying to prove yourself as a young guy and think you're going to call somebody out in front of their peers. That's probably the worst mistake you can make. And then also you don't have the same life experience as those around you. You know, you're being presumptive. You really don't know what else is going on in that person's life at that moment. The very best thing you can do is pull somebody to the side, hopefully with nobody else noticing. But even if you have to do it in front of a group, walk out of sight, walk where you can't see the group, get that person and, and start asking questions. Uh, Davis, that's something you say a lot, right? On, on this podcast, you know, the, was it lead with questions or what, what's the slogan? Listen, learn, Listen, learn lead, lead with questions, questions, right? Listen, learn, lead with questions. But, but you do, that is definitely a moment where you need to lead with questions and you need to listen to what they're saying. You need to learn their situation because you don't know what the previous supervisor let people get away with. You don't know what that person's, um, dealing with in that moment in their life. And frankly, you don't know if they know the rules, right? I mean, one of the classes we teach is construction safety and we can walk out there and we can scream at somebody. They're not doing their job safely. Well, have they actually been trained? Do they know? Have they been communicated with in a way they can understand? Yeah, they sat through a PowerPoint slideshow or we showed them an orientation video when they came on the site and we had them sign the piece of paper like, yep, check that box. But have we really communicated with somebody? 
And the um, and that I don't care how old you are. I I don't want to do that with a you know with a student. I don't want to do that with somebody my senior. Um, I want to give respect where respects due. And then if you know it's a, it's a Matthew eighteen principle too, right? Something's going wrong. You talk to that individual, and then uh, well that didn't go so well. So let's kind of get the bigger group involved, get some leadership involved. Um, and while that's probably more applicable within the church, there's still some lessons in that, right? They're, they're life lessons. That's really cool. David, sorry for butting in on the listen, learn, lead with questions. I got excited. I remembered it. And I, I, I think that's one of the biggest things people have taken from this show. I was like, yes, I remembered. But man, I, I think that's an uh, incredible thing to, to remember. It's just, you know, not a lot of people always think about the, hey, someone else is probably going through something as well. And so just keeping an open mind and, and instead of, like you said, chewing someone out, just asking a question. It, it, typically, if you ask the same question multiple times, you'll finally get to the answer, right? It's true. <clears throat> and you ask the better questions when you listen, you know, and you keep going down that trail. That's good. And Davis, going back to what you said about the pride and the ego, it is. It is so destructive in our industry. Uh, we are a bunch of tough guys. And, and the the, the amazing part about, you know, switching careers like I have and moving all over the world is there are tough guys in every society and there's always a tougher guy. So, so it, at what point are you going to like take the step back and go, all right, let's, let's be on a team. And the, uh, yeah, I, w- I worked in a program one time. I described it. I said that, you know, I was asked what there, there were a couple of projects out of the, I don't know how many projects I've worked on at this point, 100, 150, whatever the number is. And, you know, like I've had a couple of projects go bad. And I was like, well, what, what was the difference? What was this one like? Pride. And that, that was my one word answer. And uh, people just couldn't lay down their own calls. And, and we're the same way. When we go over, if we're about to choose somebody out, we're taking something personal. And that's probably something I learned more specifically working in the Middle East is uh, such a diverse culture and we we tend to take stuff extremely personal but we do that because we think the world revolves around us right that goes back to the pride statement so when we get to the point like you know what this is just how this person is and you know what that person's got something going on or you know it can be yesterday it can be 20 years ago in their history something happened that made this guy this way and it's not because of me you know, I'm not that important to that guy. That guy didn't all of a sudden change who he was because of me. So that's really good. I mean, that's just, it's just remembering that everyone, everyone has their own story. Everyone's been shaped by something different in their life that Absolutely. is not necessarily anything close to what we experience. You know, it's just keeping that in mind. But you, you mentioned a lot, uh, a couple of times about the overseas. And so I, we, you know, I know we know a lot of your story, but just for the people listening, I mean, that's an incredible part of it. So uh, go into a little bit about that. You know, how did you, you get overseas, start working over there, and, and and tell us some some details of that. So, my overseas story is probably uh, just one of those moments where it proves God's got a sense of humor because it, it is exactly what I said I would never do. You know, I grew up in the southeast, local church, and like you know, I would see pe- people talk about international missions and doing things like this. I'm going man, there are plenty of people in my hometown that need some help. Why in the world would I go get on an airplane? And we were, um, we were at a, a banquet one time, uh, like kind of church related. And somebody asked me, well, you know, when are you going to do one of these? And her name was Miss Debbie and Miss Debbie and I went to church together and I looked at Miss Debbie. I said, Miss Debbie, I will go do one of these trips when it's on a beach in Australia. And about that time, Mrs. Director stood up and he said, uh, we're going he was real excited about telling on this story. Here's what we're doing. And he was real excited about all the things they had done the past year. And he's like, but I've got to tell you something right now. He's like, I'm really excited about our next trip. We're going to a small island just north of Australia, and we're going to be on the beach. And I'm just like, everybody at the table, like their jaw just drops, right? And, and I went, and man, it changed my life. You know, it, it absolutely just changed radically to see um we were in we were in a place called east timor it gained its independence in 1999 before south sudan it was the newest country in the world and it had been uh just riddled by civil war and it was us and a bunch of un peacekeepers and i go into this mountain area we're going through like four or five translators 
And these are the most joyful people I've ever been around. And they got nothing. I mean, their country has been destroyed uh, a few years prior. They did gain their independence. The UN intervenes and, you know, they're, they're up there on this mountain and it was beautiful. They can recognize creation. There's, there's no doubt that, that they're surrounded by something greater than them. And it was humbling, extremely mm-hmm. humbling for an American to go. Really? I mean, I'd done the trip to Mexico in high school. I'd been, I'd made one trip to Europe, but man, this trip was different because we went to see the people. We didn't go see the sites. We didn't go see the places. We didn't go, you know, see the Mayan pyramids or the castles in Europe. Like we went to see a group of people living with dirt floors and a thatch roof and it changed wow. my world. And it changed my world so much that you start asking the question, well, you know, it, you start to realize that at that moment for me, man, it's so much bigger than me. Is there a part I can play in just, you know, being a, a citizen of the world? And um, if I had an opportunity to go back um, overseas, and I would have, and I did, my family and I, my, my boys were five and three, and we ended up doing some volunteer work uh, in Israel. And then a position came open, managing construction, uh, long, I'll shorten the story, but ended up working for the U.S. government and then ended up in Israel doing work there and got to work on the Israeli military program, uh, building work, you know, building infrastructure for them for almost six years. And it was an amazing, amazing experience. Hunter, I love that. I love your story, and I think that's great that about you talking about being able to go overseas. And you know, if the if the timing is right, if you would have ended up in Australia, you would have went. And um, you know, it's kind of funny. I've been thinking. I think eventually one day I would like to go do that at some point. And I got involved in a group that I know you know Brian O'Neill. I got involved with yeah. Third Lens Ministries yeah. when I was at Auburn. And I'm meeting with them next week. We're working, we work across the world, but I'm also working across the state line. I'm going back home to Mississippi to do some work with them this summer. That's right. And third lens, uh, guys, if if you're a young person and a professional that wants to get into construction, design, whatever, you know, I would encourage you to to hit us up. We'll get you in contact with Brian O'Neill, but I had the awesome opportunity to get to know Brian, but get really good experience to, volunteer and like you said you meet some of these people and it's just some of they're some of the most joyous most humble thing and they have nothing absolutely nothing and you come across those people in life and you see what they've gone through it you just automatically i have nothing to complain about i have nothing that i should even remotely complain about and i don't really know where i'm going with this but you know what was it like i know you you touched on it a little bit but what was it like you know, getting to work with those groups of people. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that's so hard to describe until you actually experience it. You know, I, I can tell you what it is uh, to see the joy on the kids or to hear them, you know, sing songs and just you know, melt you. I mean, you know, I'm just a burly Mississippi construction worker with a, you know, Southern accent. They did not want to try and translate my, my language, right? But, uh, but I could play soccer with those kids and just, uh, just be there with them. Just show them that somebody across the world uh, cares about them, enough to get on an airplane and come see them. And um, I can't, yeah, man, it's, it, 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 and I'll, I'll say this, it gave me a comparison uh, now to, to also what I've been doing over the past few years and the, the opportunity that I've had to meet people in extremely high places, right? You, you meet the, Israel's a very political place. You meet political figures coming through. There's a lot of diplomats that all of a sudden become my circle. Uh, the, uh, the amount of wealth that some of these individuals have, and you see it go a couple of different directions. You, you see people who, who have kind of feel like they've arrived and they found contentment, but then you see people who are actually worth more in quote unquote worth more in, in worldly wealth. And they'll, they're never going to stop. There, there's never enough. And to to see the stark, stark contrast. I mean, let's say we deal in construction. We 
like we, we sell something and it might cost a half billion dollars. And what if we sold you one building, we sold you, you know, one hotel, one conference center, one hospital, whatever it may be, we sold you one something and we just charged you half wow. a billion dollars to get it. Right. Mm-hmm. So we deal with these, these huge numbers and we throw out millions and billions and, you know, and I go from, you know, the, the, East Timor, $3 all-you-can-eat buffet, and nobody in the country can afford it except us and the UN peacekeepers. And then, you know, like people are spending thousands of dollars on their favorite cognac. And I'm just like, how do you, how do you balance that? And, um, you know, and, and I just, they're both people, you know, that's really what it boils down to. And, and, you know, this, this life that we're living at some point, you know, we're, we're, we're young, we're chasing things. I see my students and, and they're ready to go build the biggest, best, newest thing and get paid money to do it. And it's a great career, but at some point, I hope it hits all of us. They're like, okay, I'm, I'm building this, I'm doing this, but who are the people that are going to be using the facility? You know, I've been blessed with these skills. How am I using these skills? And hopefully we, we share that wealth, that wealth yeah. of talent, knowledge. It doesn't have to be financial wealth. Uh, one of my uh, mentors here, um, just this past Sunday, he was, uh, he used the term time, talent, and treasure. His alliteration of three T's. And, and I love that. I mean, Walker's we, writing it down. There we go. We all have that certain amount. We the same amount of time. We all have different talent. Just, and we all treasure different things. And, you know, and, money's not necessarily a bad thing. If you, yeah. if you get a lot of it and you work hard for it, what are you going to do with it? You're not taking it with you. Right. right. At some point it's going to hit everybody. Oh snap. I don't get to take this with me. Good. And it was, it was interesting to see, to be involved in some people's lives when they're having that light bulb moment going, wow. And yeah, a lot of people have not understood why, you know, I've, I've made some of the changes I've made and career moves I've made. And, Thus far, I've, I've tried to never make a move based on money. I've always tried to, what is the right opportunity, the right time, and what's next? And, and right now, I don't, I don't know what's next. We'll, we'll, we'll see, you know? Yeah, I love that for a few different reasons. Uh, you talked about how, you know, money doesn't define really who you are, your worth. And for someone speaking if I can, let's park it here. If I can speak personally for a second, you know, I did not grow up in near circumstances, other people in different countries, but um, or I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't have everything. Not, not that I have everything in life, but you know, I just was not, I, I didn't have a lot growing up. And so go through school, you know, working really hard. You know, I got into a point where I thought it was all me making it happen. Like it's only going to be me. Like I, I'm only going to get myself to where I need to go. And then, you know, this light bulb moment, like you kind of talk about, it's like, Davis, you know, it doesn't really matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how successful you're going to be. If I can't make a relationship with Walker Lott and Hunter McGonagill and us work together and me actually value them, their time, our relationships together, there's no point of what I'm working towards because I'm going to have to work with a team every single day, day in, day out. And that's what God calls us to be. God calls us to be very relational people. He calls us to love each other. But, you know, that just, um, I love that because, you know, I'm not some, I'm not making a lot of money now, but I am completely content of where I'm at in life. And if I showed y'all a picture of my little apartment here, y'all would be like, what in the world are you talking about? But, you know, the the peace and joy that God gives you, that light bulb moment, man, I can't speak more about that. That's so true. So true. I mean, and I've, I'm a, I'm a blessed man, you know, from uh, humble beginnings, but at the same time, you, you, you really think about what all of us grow. I mean, you know, we, we can, we could camp out right here and stay for a long time if we really wanted to get, you know, uh, think international about it. What percent wealth does it give you in the world if you have and own a refrigerator and running water? You know, it's it's a staggering number. You're you're very right, honestly. I, I've never really thought about that before until you brought it up about the refrigerator. But man, going back, you mentioned it a couple of times, and 
I know we we talked about in the very beginning of the podcast, but going into just kind of you being a professor a little bit at, at Auburn University and here in Auburn, Alabama, uh, you know, so how did how did you decide to make that transition to to teaching here and and uh, just tell us a little bit about it. I mean, what's your, what's your favorite part? What classes do you teach? And let's go into that. Well, it um, my journey here first came to the realization that I did not want to spend the rest of the career in the office. I got to a point where what was waiting on me was uh, some very good positions um, to come back to. Um, after being overseas for a little while, I had some some good offers and good places, but every one of them was going to be at a desk and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that but that's um that's just not how i'm wired so i wanted to be uh have the ability to build to do and i actually got my master's through auburn through an online distance program that they do and it was great um it's funny you use the analogy legos earlier because i've told a lot of people like you know i had you know you, you get one of the sets of legos now because i don't know if you can buy legos in you know but as a group but you buy the sets they're all coming in different bags and i had all these legos right all these different bags um for the set but i didn't have the book and i and i felt like the uh, the distance program at auburn for the graduate program kind of gave me that book helped me put some pieces together made me better at what i did and just really kind of made me connect some dots uh in the framework i already had so i was grateful for that cool. so when we were coming back and my Bottom line, my oldest son was going to college. I didn't want to live in a different country when my child was in uh, another. So, and we thought it would be a good time to move back. Um, we had an opportunity to come back sooner, and we were, we um, we were like, we're either going to be we're going we're going to be overseas for four years, or we're going to be overseas for for six years. Because my youngest son, we wanted him to be able to have two years of uh, high school as well uh, in America. And of course, then COVID happened. So I'm not sure that really worked out quite like we had planned, but he's doing well. He's actually taking classes at Auburn now. But the uh, position came open at Auburn. I was actually looking at a different university because I, I do. I love to teach. And really, as I've been places and done things, I don't know that I'll ever get to build anything here that will rival what I've been able to do other places. So it's like, so now what? What's next? And the the idea of teaching uh, has been heavy on me for quite some time. And I started putting a package together for a different university. And then a position came open for Auburn. And I'm like, yeah, I know the guys there. I know the town. I know the people. And like, this is a, this is a good place to be. So we've, we've been in Auburn almost July will be two years. And it has been a great place. And we have thoroughly enjoyed being here. But really, you know, I told somebody the other day, you know, what's going to keep you around? And I was like, you know, the reason that I'm still here even today is like, it's the students, you know, we've got, we've got good students. As long as the students want me around, then um, I won't try to serve them. That's really what it's about. It's a, it's a service uh, that I'm providing. These are my clients. These are my customers and I want to teach them what I can. So I, I really love that story about uh, just how you came to Auburn and, and just your take on being a professor. And I, I think it's awesome the fact that me and Davis both, or Davis and I, whatever the proper grammar for that, have gotten to have you in classes uh, together. So we've actually gotten to experience your teaching methods and how you do it. And I actually, I've, I've very much enjoyed both your classes I've had. I had safety with you uh, as much as you can enjoy construction safety. And then uh, mechanical is actually one of, my, uh, one of my more favorite classes I've had. Uh, with you for sure just in general of building science classes i like that one a lot first of all what classes do you teach yeah so that's a great question when i put in for this that's one of the questions they asked me and you know i kind of had to have a thought like you know i don't know that i'm gonna consider myself a true expert in a lot of different things but for the for the level that we're teaching it at, at undergrad i hope I hope I'm able to come in and just kind of teach what they needed. And the semester I came in, they needed some assistance with a mechanical class. That mechanical class the professor was going on a study abroad and they just asked me, say, Hey, can you teach mechanical? And I don't know that I've ever taught mechanical, but you know, I've been doing military infrastructure for a decade you now, lots of mechanical stuff. Right. So we, we can do that. And then that turned it into construction safety. And then it, it turned into what I hoped it would. And, and that's the service learning program that we do. You know, Auburn's unique in the fact that, that we do have um, a, a built-in program where we're actually giving back to the community. 
all of our students right. do that. And we love doing that because I feel like, man, if you're coming to Auburn and you want a building science degree, probably one of the best things we can do in a class is build something. Right. So we actually get in the community. Uh, we, we, we give back to the community through that. And what's, what's great is there's so much interest from the community. We've got a, a professor here who kind of heads up the uh, Scott Kramer kind of heads up bringing in different uh, groups in the community, different nonprofits. And it's prolific enough to the point now the students actually get to pick their projects, which is great, you know, because you're, you're getting buy-in up front of who, who do you want to help? And it becomes more personal. And I, I love that. In 2018, when I came in for an interview, I got in a truck with Mike Hosey. I think Mike Hosey is one of those people that was kind of like my dad. He could just build anything. Like, I don't need yes. to set up this time. Tell, tell me for what you sure. want me to build. Oh, you want it over there? Come back seven days later. It'll be right there, you know, uh -huh. and he'll have a smile on the whole time he's doing it. But, you know, I got in the truck with him and he, he immediately sold me on uh, what was what was going on. I'm like, you know, if, if I'm going to come back, if I'm going to change careers again, this is a great thing to be a part of. So I, I love the service learning class. And, and I teach several others. I think I'm I don't know, in five or six different classes now. Um, but that's that's my, by far my favorite. I, I love the service learning, love to build, love watching the students go from, you know, at the beginning of the semester and then really what i love about our students man we just show you guys you know two or three times how to do something and then kind of coach and then that method of you you know letting you teach somebody else and boom, you've got it that's it's hilarious about hosey you brought that up because I, I is you know i have him right now for my service learning because right, i'm actually right, in the right. class currently uh, and we're doing, and you, you did it too. So you can speak to this as well. We did Exodus Ranch, which is a fantastic yeah. organization. Uh, it's a, a couple of family actually have a presentation on this tomorrow, but it's a family who kind of takes in children, uh, in need who maybe aren't having a good family situation or their uh, kids need a place to live for a little while, or sometimes they adopt them, uh, but they have a house that they did in addition to. And so we are responsible. My group was at least for putting the siding on it. Uh, which is a whole lot more longer and tedious we, process than I thought it would be because we did not finish. We have a whole backside to do. But going off of that, there is a handicap ramp there. Uh, and, you know, in order to get siding on, you got to have scaffolding or some sort of scaffolding. And so the handicap ramp was too close to the house uh, to fit the scaffolding in between it. And so what Hosey did, and it was genius, honestly, is we took all the, the, the railings down that we needed to, and he uh, built a platform out of four by four posts that were level with the uh, level with the handicap ramp so that we could put the scaffolding half on the four by four posts and half on the, the handicap ramp. And then we could finish building it up at the top. And I was like, man, I would have never thought of that in a million years. It was so impressive. Kudos to farm logic. That's you, what we, I'm we can't teach you guys. We, we can't teach that in a book, man. But you'll remember that the rest of your career. You just, oh, I'll, I'll, you just I'll figure I'll it out. It again. <laughs> and he probably didn't call the architect and ask him how to do it, right? No. Heck no. Heck <laughs> that's no. all right. But, um, that's great. I know we're getting into the weeds here about the Auburn University Building Science Program, but another professor, Scott Kramer, I would like to get him on the show before. I don't know if I've told you this, but he had an interesting conversation with me. He graded my thesis, uh, Hunter, and so I ended up doing really well. Um, I wrote my my what's it called? What's the thing at the end? This not dissertation. Your what's thesis. The, it's the student thesis. selected work. Student selected. Oh work. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to be funny because I'm going to say I'm really passionate about it, but I couldn't remember students like to work. But anyway, I wrote a paper on um, trades and the skilled labor gap, how we could solve it, and everything from student loan debt to, you know, nine yards. But anyway, that conversation led to Mr. Professor Kramer talking to me about how his dad was a superintendent and he moved around year after year after year after year. Being being a kid in, in that environment, how he got into construction was really cool. Um, and you made me think about Mike Cozy whenever I was doing, uh, you know, service learning. If he, I wish I could see him on a commercial construction setting as a superintendent because he would just be all over the place putting everything up all at once. And I he just does not stop. That. Yeah, he does not. <laughs> and, you know, tying that all together, you know, I love the part of how we get to give back to the community, but you're right. The best thing that we can do is build. And I, 
personally being wanting to be a superintendent one day, I would love even more of that opportunity to build. Well, we're going to, we're going to keep it in the curriculum. I think it's, it's only growing, you know, Robinson Morton came out, they built us a big, nice field lab and we were really just scratching the surface what, what we can do. And now the interesting part is we've proven ourselves capable on, on several things. And we've got a couple of projects now that actually extend across semesters. We've been working hard with Habitat for Humanity. They've got a great volunteer leader. His name's Mark Grantham, just a solid guy, really cares about giving back and is a great organizer. He, you know, the, the interesting, you talk about third lens a while ago there's there's a hole that third lens has to fill sometimes and that's helping nonprofits actually manage the construction and habitat for humanity auburn has got a great guy in mark grantham doing that and those are the people you know i get to, to meet those people we got to have dinner with a, a, the couple that we're building the house for um uh last week and you know it's just to be able to look somebody you know eye to eye give back and like the 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 family out at exodus ranch the tufts being able to do that for them and we then we 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 could back up and have a whole conversation on you know labor curves and estimating and stuff like that they, but you start to get a respect for people who are doing high work right you I mean, do. this house is you Very know well quick. off the ground a couple stories high oh, and yeah. tall We're ceilings. Like 30 something feet in the air on, yeah you know scaffolding it's a, it's a little different production curve right Oh, yeah, it, it's a whole lot longer than we thought it would be. We're like, oh, yeah, we can finish it. We're going to be able to do a deck and, and, you know, put this column in. And and we're almost at the end of the semester. Like, oh, man, we're, I, don't, I don't think we're going to be able to finish this. But, you know, so kind of you've talked about switching a lot of different times and what you want to do next and everything else. I know that you have a, a company as well that you are involved with that you've been working on. But, but what do you see – kind of yourself doing in the next three to five years in terms of uh, being a professor and in terms of uh, working with this company, w you know, what's kind of your vision for that? Man, that's such a loaded question. And I, I'll be honest, I, I'm, I'm torn. You know, I, I feel blessed. I have the opportunity to do a few different things right now. And it's, it's a question I'm truly struggling with at the moment. My, my contract with Auburn is out. Uh, August 1st or excuse me August 15th and it was it was a two-year contract and I'm really you know wrestling with with what I want to do I've, I've been presented a couple of different opportunities um the the ability to not that this was purposeful but you know the ability to network here I've met a lot of good people I mean Auburn is so connected to industry um industry knows that I'm here as a, in a lecture role uh which just means I teach you know I don't do research I'm focused on teaching and um, that's where I am for the next few months. And what's next? Uh, I'm not real sure. You know, when when we first came back, it was kind of a toss up between, you know, if if I got one of the positions uh, teaching, then, then that's what we were going to do. Auburn is a great place to come back to call home, make home. And then, you know, an opportunity to kind of, you know, step out on my own. And that's still out there. You know, that opportunity exists. Uh, I did start a, a company at the request of my international network trying to find some, some good American contractors to come over and work on U.S. contracts abroad. It's a short list. It's interested. And um, so I created a company to help do that. And, you know, it's somebody asked me the other day, so, so what, do you, what do you actually do? And I'm going... Yeah, that's just a tough question because in the end, I, you know, I, I, it's, it's a little bit of business development because you're connecting others. It's a little bit of marketing. It's a little bit of um, a strategy, you know, a business strategy. How, how do you break into a market, especially, you know, o overseas? And then how do you get people to buy in? I mean, it's almost a little bit of mentoring and, and coaching and like convincing them like this can be a good life. This can be a good opportunity. And then, you know, aside from that, it's, uh, it's, it's the stuff that we typically talk about. Like, oh, that's the basic stuff, right? You know, that's the, the people stuff, the life stuff. But then, what a, you know, how do you put a proposal together? What's that pre-construction look like? And I've actually found myself helping out more in, in the pre-construction realm than what I originally planned. And I've got a few helping me part-time. I try to devote most of my energy um, to the university, but I've got a couple of part-time people that just people I know that have talents and skills that I've met over the years. And, and I've got them doing good things. And, and really, I spend my time, you know, getting 
getting to know you guys and what's next for you and what's next for these students and where are they going to be? And who knows five years from now, when I've got a, a laundry list of, of, of students that I've kept up with and what, what happens, I don't know. We may have the giant most mega construction cor corporation we can possibly think of, but that's really not the goal. The goal is to, for it to be about people. And if I can, if I can help, a, a good contractor go do a good thing in a good place. I want to go help make that happen. And at the same time, the people, right? It's the students and uh, that company may never grow. And that's all right. I just want to be able to invest in others. And that's where we are. I love it. And I think that's a, a, a great point to, to make because you know, any stage in life, if you're about the people beside you, you know, everything's going to be get taken care of. All right, Hunter, I'm going to transition into a part and maybe a little uncomfortable, but um, one of the reasons why Walker and I started this podcast was, you know, there's some things in our industry that, that tick us off that, you know, we want to change. We, we want to be a part of making it better. Um, you know, last week we spoke about our values and what we talked about and the, 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 the easiest thing I can think of, the first one we'll credit Mr. Walker a lot is be a problem solver and a people connector. And we talked a lot about that, um, but try to bring in that all wrapping that all up. What are some things that tick you off about our industry? Maybe not even tick you off. Maybe you just don't like, and how could we change it? Cause that's what we're all about. I'll tell you what ticks me off. I had a design build project one time design build. So incomplete design, right? We don't have, all the plans. We don't have all the specs. For those of you listening, don't know what a design build project is. The vast majority of the projects we do, everything's planned out. You put a number together, whoever's got the best number wins. Design build, we kind of work on that design together, right? Now, imagine that contract where it's almost 4,000 pages worth of documents and it's a design build. So I wow. don't like, I don't like lawyers and insurance guys controlling our industry they have their place we talk about people lawyers and insurance people can be people too but i do not need four thousand pages to guide me in how to design something right so that we've gotten to the point where there's so much bureaucracy so much administration that it it actually hampers our ability to build and create and that's why we got into it to start with, right? So if I could have it my way, every project we did would be an IPD uh, team with an inter integrated project delivery team where there is shared liability across everybody, including the owner, and we either all succeed or we all fail. And uh, all these other methods that we have to put contracts together would, would go away. And that that's how I would fix it. You know, that shared responsibility again, you know, make make it a team again. And and the big players, some of the most successful projects we have going on in America right now, that's what they're doing. And the ones that are hamstrung and can't do that are going to be your state agencies and federal agencies that, that are, are following very strict fiscal rules, which I get. We want to be fiduciaries and be responsible. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it, it's killing us on the ability mm -hmm. uh, to to be, to let the guys who know how to build stuff right build stuff. That's I, right. I think I think that's interesting that you bring up the IPD because that's pretty relatively new. To the industry you know not a lot of people are doing it except for the major players uh and you don't hear about that that often it's usually design bit build design build type stuff and, and i know davis just uh mentioned to me earlier that he's on a design bid build or a, sorry a design build project as well so davis tell us how has that been in in your side of the woods or your neck of the woods for being a design build yeah i mean that's a good thing i i, I like hunter's point about you know, it really, what I'm hearing in between those lines is it boils down to trust. And I agree. Oh, it, it's all about, do I can trust a subcontractor. I don't need to, oh, I'm going to pull out the federal code because we're on a federal government job and read you line by line item that you have to do. And you just start thinking about that. That wears down the individual, whoever that person is that has to listen to that. He's tuned you out after the first two or three sentences if you, you're going to start pulling that out. And I have never been on a part of a job on IPD. You know, obviously this is my first job out of college. I'm on design build, but you know, it, we, 
we bid our job on 30% of the final design. And so it's like, you know, just Dang. constant change. And I, the best thing I can think of was um, we had a professor. His name is Professor Carter. And he actually taught me in, um, what was it? I think construction communications. I think it was OSHA. And then one other class. He would, I had him a whole semester basically. But one of the biggest things that he was really telling us about was, guys, you have to be change agents because you're going to have to be able to take change, take conflict, and you're going to have to go how to learn how to solve the problem. And you're going to have to go learn how to lead men, women, whoever on how to do this thing. And, you know, if I could speak more on that, I am, I'll go ahead and admit, I don't know everything there is about construction. If you, there's, there's some scale out of zero hundred, I'm probably at one, you know, I'm not the brightest kid ever, but what I am good at and what I will love is I have, I have compassion for the other person and I want to figure out how to lead him. I want to figure out how I can make us work together as a team. And if, if you can tell, look at, look at me, I'm getting all animated and throwing my hands around. You can hear my voice changing, but that's what I'm about. And I only know where I'm going with this guys, but you know, IPD, I never been a part of, but that sounds like a, a cool, a cool version of what the project would look like. Well, it's part of being a team. That's what you're looking for. You, you want to be part of the team and, and what, I mean, really what you said there with the, the, the leading and the problem solving, it was really in it. Cause you talk about, you know, one of the previous questions of, you know, being overseas and being a construction manager and, you know, what did that actually look like? It looked about, it looked like me being in a lot of meetings that were technically over my head because there, there what I figured out is there was, there was no one person that knew everything about every facet yes, of a project. And once you get over the fact, like, I don't know that acronym. I don't yep. know what you just said. I need you to explain that to me. And when you start doing that, the, the walls kind of started breaking down. And, and my position kind of morphed into a place where it was really just, it, there, there's no job title for it other than, you know, problem solver. You know, you call it a firefighter. You always go into the, the hottest fires, right? But, you know, all I would do is is I would, put people in the same room that needed to make a decision together. And I would facilitate that decision. I was not an expert on, you know, advanced uh, mechanical equipment. I'm not an expert on, you know, nuclear, biological, chemical filtration for buildings. <laughs> wow. That's not me. Right. Right. So, right. but I can sit with that guy and I can tell him when he's talking over my head, because when he's over my head, he's probably over the guy's head right next to me, mm. but I'm willing to say it. And that guy's not. So when we get that proper communication, that's, that's, right. that's really what I did. And we, I mean, we would have, you know, change orders that just stacked up because nobody was willing to say, I don't know if this is the right amount of money because I don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we start, answering questions that's really you know you ask the right question it leads to another question you, you finally get an answer then you get an understanding and after the understanding you can communicate when you can communicate you can actually work together to build something right so it's just like right. multi-layered process that is not rocket science you know that's we right. just need to listen to the person beside us i was going to say that that kind of goes into the whole thing of uh you never want to be the smartest person in the room you know it's like what johnny green said in one of our previous podcasts it's, it, never be afraid to ask questions. You know, he told me that if you don't understand what someone's saying or what someone just spoke about, write it down and come to me and I'll try to clarify it for you. And if I can't clarify it, I'll find someone who can, you know, and I, I love that. But David, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. What were you, what were you about to say? Hunter, go ahead. You looked like you had something. Yeah. So the, the comment about being the smartest person in the room, it, it's, it's an interesting statement because in reality, everybody at the table is probably the smartest person in the room about something. Hmm. Right. It's true. And That's good. Everybody's got, and it may be whatever obscure, you know, niche or book or movie or actual skill, who knows, but there's, they're smart about something. And what you want to do is you want to surround yourself with people who have different areas of brilliance. Right. right. And the people that I want on my team, I don't want everybody like me on my team. I can do what I do. I need some people that make up for my weaknesses. That's who I want on my team. And if they're really the good. smartest ones that can possibly do that, bring them on. You know, I, mm. I have no problem looking at that guy going, whoop, you're going to have to dumb it down for me. I'll do my yeah. best to handle it, but you're going to have to dumb it down for me. That's you right. know, that's right. Now, I love that too, because 
you, I start to think about, you know, this is what April now. I started back in January and, you know, the first th- few months, I mean, they were humbling. They, they were, you know, and th- you, you come out of college and you just think, man, I'm a man on top. And you get there and you're like, nope, let's, let's kick it down. About <laughs> How long did that last? Years. How long did that man on top last? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it lasts about five years. And, you know, I thought, I mean, I think, man, I'm going to have a humble, hum- humble experience coming in. Like, I already know I don't know a lot. I'm not going to tell anybody what to do. But, I mean, I'm on this huge job that's almost $60 million, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm a tiny little ant in this world of construction, but what can I do? I'm going to go talk to every sub. I'm going to go make a relationship with every person I can. I'm going to go talk to the guy that's cleaning the port johns I'm going to go talk to um, Chuck, the superintendent. I'm going to go talk to whoever it may be, and I'm going to go invest in them. And you're right. I I'm not afraid to tell someone, I don't know. I don't care that I don't know. But what I do care about is how can I get the players around us involved to make a decision together? And I'll give you a perfect example really quickly. Today I met with a sub and it's between their project manager and the, and the I, I don't know, foreman superintendent. And I was helping them trying to figure out how are we going to put our daily report on playing grid? You know, I'm the guy, the young buck trying to help them figure it out. And they're having miscommunication. I was like, no, what he meant to say was, he's not going to fill this role you are. And he goes, oh, okay, yeah, I got it now. And it's just like that simple yeah. thing. Try to read between the lines and communicate together. And so often it is that It's really good. It, it really is that simple. You just got to be willing to listen. Yeah, I, I love all that incredible advice. But, Hunter, we're starting to get down towards the end of the leg of, of the podcast today. But before we go, I'd like to ask the same question. I'm sure you've heard it many a times. Uh, but but what is something, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self uh, with the wisdom and knowledge that you know now? Mm. Well, let, let, me, let me start with both of you have been guilty as I've listened to your podcast of, of stealing what I think is really good advice, but I'm, I'm glad to hear it from you. And, and Davis talks about the questions and that it is, man, just asking the right, you can have an entire conversation and never state anything, right? Just asking the right question. Yeah, that's really good. And, and Walker, you know, you, you talk about being able to learn, uh, from anybody. And I, I usually, so I, you know, I've talked to my sons about that at length. You can learn from anybody. You absolutely can. Sometimes it's what to do. Sometimes it's what not to do. All all those, (laughs) you know, if if people out there listening that that have had that bad boss, like, okay, what can you learn from having a, why were they a bad boss? Why did you not like them? Or this project went bad. What can you learn from the things going bad? Right. Um, But um, what I would, what I would tell uh, my 20 year old self um, is, you know, keep God first, keep family next. And, and I could like, I sit here and talk about my career moves and moving around the world. And I've had a wife beside me. We've been married 21 years and she has been amazing, you know, and she had decisions we've made, we've made together. You know, we talk about what happened, what happens in August, what happens when my contract's up? Well, uh, we're going to make that decision together. And I'm going to talk to my kids about it. You know, my boys are 18 and 20 now and, and they're, they're, you know, I've, I've, I am a blessed man with my family, but you know, so I would, uh, encourage myself to, to keep them close, um, because they, man, I couldn't have done it without them. And then, you know, probably two words, grit and grace. Like we, we talk it. about intelligence. We talk about credentials and education and so much is you know, just having grit just being able to, to get it done. And that's something that I can't really teach you. I can tell you which of my students probably have that and, and they're going to go far. And it's not because they're making straight A's. It's not because, you know, they were the high school quarterback or prom, but they are prom queen, but they, they've got some grit and they're not scared to fight and they're going to get it done. And then the grace aspect, and we got to realize everybody's, you know, it's about the people and everybody's got a story and you don't know that construction worker, man. And, and I've had a couple of incidences that, that I've had to diffuse and, and I've been able to diffuse them knowing that you've got to try to put yourself in their shoes and we're all different. And we we're all ants on that anthill, you know, working together. Right. But we're, um, 
we've got to give respect. Yeah, I mean, that's right. I love that grit and grace. And think about Jasper Smith, you know, grit, keep on coming back, keep on trying, keep persevering. And grace, like you said, just, just love them. Try your best. Uh, come back. That's part of grit, too, honestly, when it comes to people. Come back to them. Tell them that you're okay to have that hard conversation. Don't be, don't be willing to just quit after you had an argument with somebody, go, go pursue them, go try. Cause I would want the same thing to do someone to do that to me. I mean, Lord knows I need it. I mean, I wouldn't have got this far in life if someone didn't think, okay, that dude's a butthead. Sorry. He's over <laughs> with. You know? Pursuit, pursuing others. That That's how you build community. You know, we, we, we can get on our chat rooms and we can get in social media and we can find a whole lot of people who think just like we do. But in reality, that's not how the world works. We all make each other better. And, you know, if we, if we pursue community and, and accept people um, for, for what they, you know, their different life experiences and what makes them unique, it, it makes us all stronger. That's so good. I love the fact that you brought that. I, I think one of the major problems with the world is that none of us are there. Not none of us, but uh, not, you know, not a lot of people are willing to have conversations with someone else who doesn't agree with them or has a different worldview. But that's that's neither here nor there. That's a whole nother conversation to be had. But man, Hunter, <laughs> that's a whole you. nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. But man, thank you so much for coming on today. I, I'm really excited that we finally got you here. You, you've been very instrumental in, in helping us get to where we are and, and incredibly supportive. Uh, so, man. Uh, I would absolutely love to have you back on here sometime soon as well. Just do a little recap and, and continue the conversation. But again, thank you so much. Loved hearing your story uh, and can't wait to speak to you again. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you for what you're doing. Keep inspiring others. Let's get some people in this industry that look forward to building something. Let's do it. Thank you. That's right. Thanks for joining us for the Laying Foundations podcast. I'm your co-host, Walker Lott, here with my co-host, Davis Hambrick. We really appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, we look forward to many more episodes we have planned for you. Look for us every Monday. We have an episode coming out. We're also working very diligently to get our social media accounts as well as our webpage up so you can learn a little bit more about us and follow us as we go along this journey.